0: Okay, let's get it. Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona. Glad to have you board with us here. ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, Cox Sports TV. That's weekday afternoons. And, of course, every day right here for the Locked on LSU podcast. Ed O'Ron gets his team ready for Mississippi State. Uh, one of the 12 brave uh, voters who selected LSU as the number one team in the country in the AP poll on their ballot uh, will join us. You'll hear from Brett McMurphy of uh, watch Stadium and uh, Stadium Sports, and also we will get some of your Q and A in a bit. One of the interesting things hearing from Ed Ogeron on Monday was the fact that while there's so much euphoria and praise for the LSU team coming off the win over Florida, he is very much uh, implementing the 24-hour rule, and you can tell he remembers what his team went through two years ago in Starkville. And they are singularly focused this year on heading to Starkville this weekend and trying to get a win at Mississippi State.
1: Here's what I will remind them. I will remind them that we walked into a hornet's nest two years ago, and I didn't have them ready. That was one of the loudest stadiums we had played in all year. And not only the cowbells, but the music, the fans were into it, and obviously they played lights out. What happens with Mississippi State, they're going to pick one game a year that there's a target on it's always seemed to be LSU, and they're gonna play their best game. So we're gonna expect their best football game. Uh, we're gonna play crowd noise, but I'm gonna have them better prepared this year. Not only the cowbells, but the music, the the fans is very loud in that stadium. Thanks for bringing up that point.
0: And it is worth noting the context there with that Ogeron, the fact that he, of course, was the old Miss head coach and had to face Mississippi State every year, and knows that environment well, and knows what it's like going against. That opponent in that stadium with that crowd and those fans, so I, I think with Ed he can provide more context than others might be able to. So it actually does make sense with him coming from that direction. And remember, two years ago when LSU went to Starkville, they lost thirty-seven to seven. I hit DJ Chark for a big touchdown pass on the opening possession. It got called back by penalty, and then LSU never got up off the mat after that. They lost thirty-seven to seven, and what was a a terrible loss, and it was sort of the the beginning of the Ogeron era full-time. A few weeks later, they would lose to Troy. That, that's when things were not going well. This, however, feels very, very much different with LSU, number two in the country, the top-scoring offense in America. But Ed Ozron did talk about his team warning against complacency.
1: It's, it's what we want. It's what we want. We, we want to be mentioned in one of the top teams in the country. I want our guys to get a Heisman, but inside our room, It's about fundamentals, about the task at hand and beat Mississippi State. But it does do something for your program. Uh, That's why you come to LSU, you want the expectations to be high, but you also want to meet those expectations. But that doesn't mean a hill of beans. and You go to Mississippi State and not play well. So we have a lot riding on the line. It's one game at a time, and Mississippi State's on our way.
0: It is fair to mention that the, the LSU players are going to hear all week about the Mississippi State team and how they just lost at Tennessee And LSU is a near-three-touchdown favorite. Uh, That is one of the things that kind of does make you go, hmm, when you see the point spread come out, and LSU is a 19-point favorite. You know, Mississippi State just went on the road to Tennessee and scored 10 points against a very bad Tennessee team. Meanwhile, LSU is the number one scoring offense in America. You know, we talked last week about how the, the point spread felt inflated against Florida because... Vegas had really struggled to to catch up with LSU so they put it at two touchdowns to try to generate bets on both sides of that line this feels like a stinky line as well a Mississippi State team that has not really put together uh, a solid offensive performance and an LSU offense that clearly can score on anybody in any environment on any given day that 19 seems short and fishy and sometimes there's reasons for that maybe it's The week after Florida, the week before Auburn, you're expecting a letdown for LSU. As for Mississippi State, they're coming off an embarrassing road loss. Now they come home. Do they get up in a bounce-back spot? Some of those factors may very well play in. It's why Ed Ogeron talked about staying focused on Mississippi State.
1: Well, you know, here's what's got to happen is they're 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old young men. Obviously, they've been away from us since Saturday night. So we're going to have to get them refocused today on the task at hand. But we do want to celebrate our win. That's why we don't start the 24-hour rule until today. And then we're going to celebrate our win. We're going to show them the good plays. We're going to show them the good things we did, the things we must improve. Then after we watch the film today, we have a 24-hour rule. We throw it in the garbage can. And on the Mississippi State, we stay focused that way.
0: And one more thing from Ed Ogeron's press lunch. He talked about a bunch, uh, which we'll get to throughout the course of this week. But, Uh, I did ask, Ed, about the Joe Brady connection. Remember, Joe Brady, now an LSU staff, was a GA under Joe Moorhead, while Moorhead was the offensive coordinator at Penn State. So in many respects, Joe Brady is sort of Joe Moorhead's protege. Uh, So I asked Ed Ogeron if when he hired Joe Brady, if he had called Joe Moorhead sort of for a reference, and then also... What effect that might have on LSU this week, having a guy on staff that knows Joe Moorhead as well as Joe Brady? Yeah, it
1: does help to have him on the staff, obviously. Uh, he can give us the reads. He can give us the formations. And obviously, course, Moorhead is going to do something different than he normally did, so we don't have that reader. I did not talk to Coach Moorhead, but as soon as I hired Joe, he gave me a call. I called him back. He said, Ed, great hire. Joe Work for me. Uh, I think he's going to do tremendous things for you at LSU, and he was exactly right. All
0: right, we'll knock out a quick break here. Locked on LSU, your team every day. When we come back, you'll hear from one of the 12 brave Associated Press voters who voted LSU number one in the country this week, as they should be. That's next. Locked on LSU, your team every day.
2: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: We continue Locked On LSU, your team every day. Uh, The Associated Press poll came out. LSU up to number two in the country. 62 media members vote. Only 12 of the 62 voted for LSU as the number one team in the country, despite the fact that LSU has by far the best resume in the country with two top ten wins. I've railed on it many times. There's a lot of groupthink that goes on with polls. I hate it. So I wanted to reach out to one of the guys that did vote LSU number one, and that would be Brett McMurphy of Stadium Sports, who explained why he voted LSU number one.
2: The way I vote is I look at what teams have done up to this point. I don't look at how I think they're going to finish the year. I don't look at how they were coming into the year. And it's pretty simple. They've got two of the best wins of anybody in the country at Texas and home against Florida. And I think that that's better than anybody else out there. Oh, by the way, they're leading the country in scoring. They, you know, set a school record over 10 yards per play against a Florida defense that ranked top 15 or top 20. So, yeah, up to this point, to me, they are the best team. Does that mean they're going to win the national championship? Absolutely not. Does that even mean they'll make the SEC championship? No, it doesn't. But up to this point, I think uh, excuse me LSU is the best team, and I know a lot of people out there like Ohio State. A lot of people like Alabama. Some people still like Clemson. Uh, you can make arguments for those teams, but with the exception of Clemson, I mean they played A and M. Well, so did so did Alabama. They really haven't. We don't we don't know how good they are because they really haven't been tested like LSU has, and so that's why I've got LSU at, at number one and. Uh, you know, as long as they keep winning, I would probably keep them at number one um, till the Alabama game and see what happens then.
0: Brett, do as a voter, does the Associated Press give you any criteria?
2: They give us guidelines, not really criteria. The one thing that they they do um, suggest to us, and obviously everybody does it their own way, is I think you know. 10 15 years ago where you started the season with a b and c ranked one two and three and then if team as long as team a kept winning you would never drop them and if b lost then maybe you drop them from two to seven and you just shuffle every team up one spot they they actually you know recommend that we don't do it that way that if likely the teams behind you at six, seven and eight maybe beat somebody that, that was a better opponent. So that's really the only um it's not really criteria, it's just kinda of that's that's the way to go about it. Sure. And they they really don't call you out on it. Now if you if you put forward a ballot you have um you have San Jose State ranked number one and they're 0 and seven then then they will say hey are you know, are you sure with this? Why are you going with this? And if it, if you're just making a joke of the rankings, you'll lose your vote. But other than that, yeah, you basically you're on your own. And obviously everybody has different thinking on the way they do this.
0: He's Brett McMurphy on Twitter at Brett underscore McMurphy, part of Stadium Network, uh, WatchStadium.com. Brett, coming into this weekend, were you still skeptical on LSU's offense?
2: Absolutely not. I thought I thought LSU would, would beat Florida. I thought they'd cover the thirteen. Fourteen, whatever it ended up at. Absolutely not. I mean, you look at Joe Burrow and his. And this was before the Florida game, but his last nine games going into the Florida game, the last four of last season, the first five of this season, thirty-three touchdown passes, four interceptions. The Tigers. Uh, he had averaged, I think, three hundred seventy-nine yards passing a game going into that Florida game. So no, I, I was a believer. What I, what I didn't know, and actually in my in my preseason um, ranking, I had LSU somewhere in the top ten. I forgot where. I believe LSU had top four talent. What I thought would keep them out of the top four was the schedule and at Texas that so we talked about, Florida. So you still have Auburn coming up, obviously at Alabama. you got the one losing streak against the Crimson Tide. And then Texas A&M at the end of the year, who I still think is a decent team, who obviously is, is another team that's facing a brutal schedule. So I was a believer. Well, I guess what I wanted to think is, was the last four games of last season when Burroughs' numbers were so incredibly improved from the first eight or nine games of last year, was that a fluke or was that basically everything suddenly clicked or was that uh, maybe a difference in in the strength of schedule the last four games, including the Fiesta Bowl against UCF? Or was it a combination of all of them? I think now looking back at it, it's obviously that something has clicked and, and LSU has, has um, you know, got a good handle on it. And also, I think you know, look, you guys know this. They they have they have a different attitude offensively, and I think the best you know example of that was front and center against Texas late in that game. LSU's up a touchdown. And in the past, LSU in that late game situation, run, 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 punt, play defense. Mm-hmm. What did they do against Texas, play action, pass, pass, run, pass, touchdown. You're up two scores, game over. So yeah, I've I've bought in. I just I just what I didn't know, and obviously LSU is convincing me um, right now, is if they would be able to survive this tough schedule to be a contender in the SEC and. College football playoff, and I they 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 are, and it's you know no surprise. It's if, if they, as long as they don't get upset along the road, it's going to come come down to the Alabama game. And if I'm an LSU fan, then you want to root for Oklahoma to lose a game. You want to root for Ohio State to lose a game. You want to root for Clemson to lose a game, because I think that's the only way the SEC gets two teams in. Whether it's LSU wins the SEC or Alabama wins it, is I don't think there's any way in the world, I don't care how tough LSU schedule is, that the selection, um, the playoff selection committee will pick a one-loss LSU team over an undefeated Power 5 champion. So if you guys, who are the loser of that LSU-Alabama game, whoever that is, you better hope some of these undefeated other Power 5 league champs stumble along the way.
0: Last thing for you, Brett, and your time very much appreciated, which of the undefeated Power 5 schools, be it Oklahoma, Ohio State. I I guess we could throw LSU and Alabama in there. Actually, let's eliminate those because one of those is going to lose. Of the others, who do you think is most likely to lose?
2: Uh, Clemson and Oklahoma have the easiest path because they don't play anybody. I mean, Oklahoma's going to beat Texas again. A neutral site Dallas, they've already done it once. You'd expect them to do it again. Texas, a lot of injuries Saturday. So they may be a totally different team by the time we get to December. Um, you know, Ohio State looked the most impressive, but they actually have the toughest remaining schedule of those three. With they have Wisconsin at home, and Wisconsin nobody has been able to score in Wisconsin, so obviously that's a huge contrast of styles there. And then uh, they have been they ended in the year at home against Penn State that has looked really good. They're undefeated. Uh, you know, they won at Iowa. I'm still not sold on them being a college football playoff contender. Maybe they can challenge Ohio State. And then the finale at Michigan, obviously, Jim Harbaugh has yet to beat Ohio State. Uh, that would be huge for him and the Wolverines if he could knock Ohio State out of playoff contention. So, Of those three, I would say Ohio State because, quite frankly, I don't think Clemson or Oklahoma being challenged in the regular season.
0: Uh, he's Brett McMurphy. He's got his bowl projections up right now at WatchStadium.com. He's got LSU-Texas in the Sugar Bowl, which, Brett... I really hope we don't see, man, because I don't want to see LSU in Texas three times in the calendar year. Well,
2: you know, and the thing is, it's funny because I so people like, what? Yo, you rank LSU number one, why do you project them in the Super Bowl? Look, uh, maybe when we get to the Alabama game, maybe I'll... I'm sure nobody from either school wants to see that game again. But uh, you know what? Prove me wrong. Beat Alabama, and then, then you'll be in the uh, you'll be in one of the semifinal spots.
0: Again, you can hear our interview with Brett McMurphy, or any of the interviews from our radio show on demand at 104.5 ESPN.com. Just click on demand after further review and you'll see it right there. It is the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. We'll knock out our final break. When we come back, get to some of your Facebook Live Q&A. Stick around. Locked on LSU, your team every day. We are wrapping up another edition of the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. Let's wrap up with some of your questions. I like to do the Q&A when we can. You can always jump on my Facebook page. It's at Matt Moscona, AFR. Like the page if you would. Uh, set notifications when you see us go live. Of course, you can jump aboard, get your question answered real time. Carlton Cisco says, Matt, do you think the running back Davis Price is ahead of John Emery? Uh, I do, Carlton, and I've mentioned that actually since the summer. The thing about Ty Davis Price is that uh, we've talked about, it. you could tell, he's just a different, sty- he's a different back stylistically from the others. Gets his shoulder pad, squared north and south, runs with a lot of power. And on his 33-yard touchdown run, you saw the acceleration as well, which was just sensational. He is just a different style of back, and I do believe he's ahead of John Emery. I will be interested to see if any of the running backs for the remainder of the season can work their way into the passing game, because I think that's a part of this game. As much as, of course, the Saints with Sean Payton run the screen game, and Joe Brady would like to I don't think they have a back right now that they trust to catch the football the way Pierre Thomas did or Alvin Kamara does now. That's what LSU's looking for. And if one of these guys can prove themselves viable in the screen game, I think it's much more likely they get more playing time. Uh, Matthew Daigle says, Do you think the LSU defense can compete with anyone in college football? Well, you'd have to define, can they compete with anyone in college football? Like, Are they capable of holding any team under 30? There's maybe two in the country that two or three, you know if it's Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, maybe Clemson, you know you'd worry about those four, but theoretically, those are teams that you'd face in a in a college football playoff scenario. The bigger question is, can you outscore them, and I think that's just the way that you'd have to win this year um another one. Matthew Pittman says, Is Adrian McGee's continued playing time indicative of his progress or Ed Ingram's lack of readiness? Well, Ed Ozron actually addressed that as well on Monday. Give a
1: listen. Good one two punch. They don't get tired. Ed, Ed's getting in play and shape. He's learning his protections. Uh, Ed has some really good physical plays. Uh, I'm glad that we have him. Again, it gives us some flexibility. If we have to play Adrian at tackle, we can play him at tackle.
0: How about one more, this one from A.J. Holland, who said, any news on the deleted Divinity tweet after the game? Uh, for those that missed it, Michael Divinity, LSU linebacker on Saturday night, tweeted something to the effect of he was sorry, lost his love for the game. Um, I, I've i asked and have not gotten any explanation. Michael Divinity is practicing at LSU. He's still on the team. So anyone who's worrying about that to that effect, uh, I wouldn't. Maybe it's a college kid trolling. Maybe it's uh, reference uh, cryptically to one of the reasons he's missed a couple of games already this year, but fully expect Michael Divinity to be out there against Mississippi State and to for uh, for the LSU team. That's right, going to do it for us here on a Tuesday edition of the Lockdown LSU podcast. Many thanks to those of you who have gone to iTunes, who have rated us, who have left a review. All of that is incredibly helpful. So sincere thanks to everyone who has done that, continues to do that, continues to listen, and help us pass along the podcast. Uh, until tomorrow, it's Lockdown LSU, your team every day.